Unashamed, the recovery podcast. And hello, recovery family, and welcome to another episode of the Unashamed Recovery Podcast with Josh and Drew. That's Drew. Hey, guys. I'm Josh. And uh, here at the Unashamed Recovery Podcast, we believe that there is healing in the story of our scars and that it is okay to not be okay. It is our sole mission to break the shame and stigma of addiction by sharing uh, real stories of real recovery by real people that have been in addiction or those even outside of addiction, uh, kind of like today's episode, Josh. Yeah, yeah. This, today's episode is a little bit different and I'm excited about it. I'm you know, last month we talked about living the shame and we talked about getting to that step 12 and, and we'll talk about that. But on today's episode, we're going to go on beyond that. We're going to talk about something that we've really never talked about on the show before. And uh, with, well, I'm not going to give too much away. Uh, let's just go in and we'll just introduce the guests and we'll, we'll just let that speak for ourselves because when I tell you this, you're going to be like, oh, okay, well, this is what it's about. Right? Today's guest that's joined us is the director at Spouses Choosing Hope in Addiction and Recovery. And that should tell you everything you need to know right there. Today's guest is Ms. Krisha Agent. And I said that right, correct? Yes, you said that right. Hey, I still have that country twin. I'm a, on a great roll today, Drew. Krisha Agent. Hey, I'm making up for last one. I'm, I'm making up for last one. You're on a good roll. So, uh, yeah, so. Go ahead and uh, and tell everybody, all our wonderful listeners out there, all five of them, about, <laughs> about what it is that is so special and so unique about spouses choosing hope in addiction and recovery. What are y'all about? What are you doing? Um, what it is that, that makes y'all tick? It's unique, for one, because there's nothing else out there that is the specifically and directly for the spouse. Um, and I found that out whenever I was going through my season and I was trying to reach out and find something that would help me, something that would support me, but also something that was faith-based, wouldn't lead me in the wrong directions with my decisions, and there just wasn't anything out there. Everything's close. You know, most of the answers that I would get from people was, I just celebrate recovery, which is great. Um, but I needed I needed direction and support and advice and information specifically for me, the spouse, and what to expect, what to look out for, encouragement, you know, yeah. all of these different things and it just didn't exist. There wasn't anything out there for that. And to me that's just absurd. Because, as you know, years ago, okay, maybe so, because recovery was still wrapped in stigma. Right. And we didn't talk about recovery outside of recovery. It's kind of like Fight Club. Yeah. We don't talk about recovery. <laughs> we talk about Fight Club. Number one, we the same thing before. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I just feel like, you know, uh, even in my family, there was so much shame that was just brought with it. As soon as, you know, your parents were like, oh, well, he's not put on drugs or, you know, that you're the person that's having to live with somebody that's going through that. 
you know, there was even shame and guilt that was piled on top of them as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and it was just, it's a weight. Everybody's looking at you like, what are you doing? Right. What are you going to do? Well, how are you going to handle this? Are you going to handle it like we think you should? I don't think you're doing it right. You know, there was a lot of judgment. Yeah. yeah, it becomes a judgmental thing. Mm -hmm. And you know, well, people give you their opinions, which is most of the time the lowest form of communication that, that exists. Mm -hmm. You know, it can be opinionated. I'm not this and that. But what I'm saying is, when it comes to matters of the heart, matters of spirituality, or something that's really solidified in, in our being, how we feel about something, and that feels like it's invalidated because people are always just kind of like, well, that's not what I would have done. Right. You know, I would have walked away, but how many exactly. times in society now do you have people walking away from things and children are getting hurt? Mm -hmm. You know, the addicts get becoming worse, like we were saying earlier. You know, like, that's why I'm, I'm kind of proud to hear that there's something out there because there's so many people that I'll even sponsor that, you know, through them going through rehab, they end up with divorce papers yeah. at the end of it. Mm -hmm. And it was just kind of like... spouses just out there hanging out left by themselves. Because they don't know what else to do. Mm -hmm. You know, and they, like yeah. you said, they don't have anybody they don't know to talk to. Right. So, what's a lot of trauma that's? I, I, I want to acknowledge something because you made mention about silver recovery. And now, me and Drew, we're both silver recovery. You know, the podcast, we interview a lot of people from silver recovery. Now, that's one of the topics like, we, silver recovery is not the only pathway to recovery. When I say that, but we just, our circle is silver recovery. So, it's interesting that you made mention of. It was suggested yes. to you to mm -hmm. try silver recovery. Now, for me, when I came out of my addiction and I got into silver recovery, I'm telling you, it was a difference. I was in recovery for four years before my wife started coming to silver recovery with me. Right. And then once she started coming to the meetings, she was like, okay, I get it. Mm -hmm. And have her involved and on the same page where she, she can you know, never can have these talks at home now. Right. So that's, you know, it was so interesting when you said that, because that was the first thing, when she said that, I was like, man, that's, that's interesting, because aside from her protecting in her own recovery and some recovery, there's nothing for just her to go as a spouse or somebody in recovery. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so like spouses that have become uh, well, I know that. leaders. I know that, which, but is, I'm just saying, which is phenomenal. But I'm saying, like, but when they get in there, they're working their own recovery. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, just yeah. to be have to be a spouse who's outside of that, like to me that's yeah. So anyway, and then also for you for this to be a uh, a Christ centered support group to me that in a culture where we're getting so far away from Christ, I, any chance that we can get, we find a group that is Christ centered. I feel like it is important for us to support that and to back that because our culture is just getting so far away from that. So how does having being how does this support group being Christ centered, how does that uh, how does that help your your mandate, your goal for what you're trying to do? That's my favorite question. <laughs> I saw her face like that. <laughs> it was almost like that was playing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it is not the most popular answer, but it's my favorite one. That's, we like that. Yeah. Um, as a spouse of somebody who is in addiction or even in recovery, 
oftentimes we think that they are all of the problem. And they're not. And what really made the difference in my husband's recovery and the restoration of our marriage afterwards and my recovery, what made the difference was a relationship with Christ. And if you want your spouse to make all of these changes, you have to make some too. And you have to have a very solid relationship with Christ and He has to be your main focus and your main purpose in order to be successful. If you, if all of your focus is on your spouse and all of the things that are wrong, you're gonna you're gonna lose focus with the success of your journey. Yeah. Well, not only that, you start to build um, offense from offenses. You know, you, you start to build every for everything that you're holding in that builds resentment, that builds that little, okay, well, I'm not going to talk about my issues, I just want to talk about his. And when you start focusing just wholly on that, then you're focusing on the trash on that side of the street, not your own. You know, we're not cleaning up our side. And so literally we're asking, then we're going to ask him to come back and walk on the side of the street that's still got, you know, some litter on it. You know what I mean? If that makes any sense. Um, to be metaphorical, but yeah. um, <clears throat> that's just one of those things. Like it's really, really difficult, and I'm glad that that to hear that answer. You can get very consumed and very overwhelmed right. with all of the things about them and what they're doing that you can't control, and you can control yourself, and you can control your walk with the Lord, and you can control your relationship and how close it gets to Jesus and what you and Jesus are doing. Right. can control those things. And I'm not I'm not saying that if you do all of those things and you really, really cling cling to the Lord that your spouse is definitely for sure gonna get separated and everything's gonna be great. I'm not going to make that guarantee, but the guarantee that I always taught and scar was that if you do that, if you stay close with Christ and you continue to get to get closer to him, you will be okay no matter what their decision is. That makes Whether sense. they get sober or not, right. if you and Jesus are good, you will be okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I kind of love the acronym catch that. Yeah, that was that's awesome. <laughs> well, I have even got it written down here, and I still didn't even catch that until she said that. Right. I was like, hold on. <laughs> that was one of those things that kind of... And you would think with us being in sober recovery, we could point out an acronym. But, oh, my gosh. <laughs> but anyway, so moving on along. But what I, you know, I kind of hear so far is that there's a similarity um, to living with an addict or you know, going through the process with them. It's almost similar to grief. You know, it's yeah, it's, it's just a similar degree because you're having to watch this person kind of, you know, not be that person that you fell in love with a little bit, and then they kind of have died to you on an emotional side somewhat, you know, so that is tough, you know, because there's, there's a lot of times that we look at grief and we literally just push it aside as an emotion that, that we shouldn't have because the way social media is set up today, the way the world is, 
you know, well, I'm going to cancel you because you're too sad or you're being too naggy. I don't want to hear what you have to say. Like you've already talked about it a thousand times to me. I don't want to hear it anymore. Same, same way with grief. You should be over it already. You know, how many times have you heard that? You know, it's... I've actually used the story of Lazarus in my testimony a lot of times. Oh, wow. Talking about Mary and Martha watching Lazarus, their best friend, or their brother, and Jesus was their best friend. They watched Lazarus get sick and get sicker and sicker and sicker, and they call for Jesus, and he doesn't come, and then he dies. Right. And then Jesus shows up. If you had been here, he wouldn't have died. I use that a lot in my, in my testimony because Jesus tells them, but if I would have came, you wouldn't have gotten to see him resurrected and brought back to life. And that's what I feel like I watched. I feel like I watched my husband die, and I felt like Jesus was taking too long. But then, then when he showed up, I got to watch my husband resurrect. Not on our time, but right on time. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Never our time, but right exactly. on time. Man, you can use that if you want to, Josh. <laughs> Write that down. Write that down. <laughs> Man, that's, that's so good. So when you were describing Scar, you were saying that this was came, this was born out of uh, a season. So let's talk about that season. Let's talk about your side of this because I've been I've been dying to get into this and I think it's a perfect chance for us to just move into this so go ahead and let's talk about your side of this story like where does that start and if you were writing this out into a book and you were writing out chapter one what would chapter one be called chapter one would be called love lived out who episode title right there <laughs> I like it. Yeah. And you were worried about that. I was. <laughs> so, so go ahead and like, what, what, what does that season look like? Where does that start off? I became a follower of Jesus in 2012, and um, my husband had not become a follower of Jesus yet. Okay, so um, we had been married. We had been married for two years when I got saved, and then we had been married for seven years when he got saved. Okay, so what happens is we spent a lot of the years that we dated and the first two years of our marriage, um, and neither one of us were followers of Christ, and, and that made a real mess of things that makes compromises in your life. You do things that is going to lead you further and further away yeah. from a life with Christ, and, and you are okay with things that you shouldn't be okay with, and that's kind of how it, how it led into that season, and um, I came to the end of myself and I got saved and, and he was not yet. And so then what happens is you have two people that are trying to be one flesh, but they're, but they're, but they're not. They're two different ones and they're going mm -hmm. in two different directions. And so the division becomes bigger right. and the gap becomes wider. And I didn't know about his addiction. I lived with a man and he, he had an addiction and I didn't know. Um, it's hard to say because usually when I say that, most people are like, how could you not know that? I didn't know. 
Um, but it's easy to put on a mask. Yeah. Well, yeah. Very, very easy to put on a mask. Well, and to say, hey, well, you know, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, if, if she wasn't raised in an environment as a kid where that was prevalent, yeah, and she did. has nothing to base off of, like my wife, she didn't know. Right. Had she had no clue. The only time I was really familiar with addiction was when it was very obvious. They were not a functioning addict. The only addicts that I had ever come in contact with, everybody knew that they were not sober looking at them. And so, in my mind, it would be obvious yeah. if, if that was an issue. Right. But he was highly functioning. And so, to me, that never crossed my mind. I knew that something was wrong, and I knew that he was fading away more and more from the man that I knew, and things were just getting hard. Our relationship was hard. The fights were worse. Um, there was a lot of division. There was a lot of meanness, just real cold. There were a lot of secrets. There was constant disappearing. Um, I didn't have... I didn't feel like I had any stability. I didn't, I, I didn't feel like I could depend on him for a lot. And that wasn't, that wasn't him. That was not normal. So I knew that things were not normal, but I did not know that, that it was drugs. And so for the worst of his addiction lasted for about two years. Now his full addiction from start to finish, I think was probably six. But whenever it was really, really, really awful was um, for about two years. And we had a little girl at the time. And um, it got really bad about the time that she was probably six months old until he went to treatment. And he went to treatment when she was two and a half. And so during that time was when it was so bad. He ended up losing his job. And so... and couldn't keep a job and then couldn't get a job and so he was without work for about two years and so a lot of the financial weight was on me um, but it's almost like if you're watching somebody drowned and you think that they're gone they've gone under and then every now and then you would get a glimpse of them and you would know that they were still in there that's what it was like that's a good visual yeah I like, I literally just put that, you just painted, like, this clear picture in my head right there, and I could literally see somebody by the I felt like I was watching. Like, every now, just when I thought that <clears throat> he was gone, and he was not the man that, that I knew, it's, it's, a, I would, I would see a glimpse of the man that I know loves me, and, and he's trying, and he's not as bad as he was yesterday, or whatever, and that would kind of keep me holding on. So, Getting those glimpses of uh, him coming back up to the to the surface, mm -hmm. was that kind of giving you some like false hope, or was that? Yes, yeah, it did. Okay. It did. It, it it prolonged the the whole thing for him and for me. It really did. It just prolonged it. So, at what point or how did you finally find? Out, as you said, you didn't know this was almost like. How did you? What was that moment where you finally kind of put? Two and two together and equal six. So I told you things were awful, and I just didn't know why. And it's very strange, but I had an anonymous, well, it wasn't anonymous, 
a mutual friend of ours that we never see or talk to um, apparently crossed brief, brief paths with him and decided to send me a message on Facebook on my 30th birthday and tell me that they have something to tell me. And then they told me. <laughs> and the thing is, I already knew that, you know, they left a message and they said, call me when you get a chance, when you leave the house, when you're not around him. And I knew. I knew what they were going to tell me. And I was, it sounds really strange, but I was really looking forward to the call and kind of relieved because I felt like this was finally going to, this was going to end because if I could pinpoint what was wrong, yeah. then we could start fixing. Right. Kind of like almost kind of like closure yeah. in a sense. Yeah. Because I knew things were going on and I've been looking for the for the answers and I would try and I would get them up against the wall and I'd be like, okay, we're fixing to find out what it is. And he was, he would not budge. Mainly because I made a huge mistake at one point in our marriage and I told him that I could handle a lot of things in marriage, but the one thing I would never put up with is if he ever got hooked on drugs. Which told him once he was in that position, quiet. I can't tell her or She'll leave. You were no longer a safe space. No. Yeah. And I did that. So it became in the economic picture that y'all were like war partners mm -hmm. at that point. It was like battle buddies, mm -hmm. but you're not on the same team. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's rough. And not only did I basically threaten him, so he was afraid to tell me, I also told the enemy what he could use against me in my marriage. Yeah. Because Satan doesn't know everything. He only knows what you show him and what you tell him. He's not God. And I told him. This is what you can do to ruin my marriage. So he said, Got it, I'm gonna do that. Wow. Man. So I wanna ask you a question. And I hear so many talk about, it, especially my wife told me this during ours. Did you feel like part of it was your fault? Mm -hmm. So I, I want that is an interesting area to talk about. And I want a detour for me to talk about that. Are you okay with that, Drew? Yeah, I mean, because I, I literally put down here, how much accountability did you put towards yourself or how much did you own, yeah, yeah, own that? So, <laughs> so for those that don't know, Ben, like my, my struggle was with pornography and sex. And so my wife always felt like she, it, Part of my addiction was her fault. And, like I tried to tell her, you know, like this would have happened with anybody. You know, like it, it's not you that you know. Anyway, so what did that feel like on your end? Like, because this was not a point of sex addiction. This was a drug addiction. So what was what what made you feel like this was your part? Like, did you feel like? I don't, know. I don't know what I'm trying to ask here. Like, Basically because we held hands walking down a simple road up until I got saved. And so I allowed things to, to get whenever, like we would drink together yeah. and things like that. And so to me, we went down this, this road of teetering on substance where you could where you could become an addict and I 
didn't, and, and he did, gotcha. on top of the fact that I had done things in our marriage that he had had to forgive me for and that were, that were painful and disappointing for him, and I felt like that amplified um, his desire to, to numb out or to not have to deal with things that he was feeling. And, but also, with that, God used that to remind me, you know, you are not perfect either, and you have to be forgiven for things as well. So you are expected, you're expected to be compassionate and forgiving to an extent as well, because you have had to be forgiven too. You know, I, I heard a quote uh, not that long ago, and it was, as a Christian, I don't get to love you like I would love you. Because I'm a Christian, I have to love you in the way that Christ commands me to love you. And that changes the the details of the relationship. <coughs> and when you apply that to marriage, you know, then we're talking about this unconditional kind of love. Then right. we're talking about this, like we were talking a couple episodes ago on reconciliation. Yep. Yes, I got that. I got because that. it comes yeah. with it comes uh, with obedience, yeah. and that's just like we were talking about in the reconciliation. You know, um, that I think so much of okay, well, I, I, you know, I asked for forgiveness, now we're good. You know, but when you really want to reconcile, and you really want that person, or you're really wanting to change for that person, or um, basically make that whole shift, it mm -hmm. comes through obedience. First off, you know, it's a biblical principle. Um, then the accountability, you know, like what we were just saying a minute ago, and it's just taking that mirror a little bit then and saying, hey, well, look, I know I messed up here, 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 and here, and here, which is why inventories are so good, and I do mine on a daily basis. <laughs> because you kind of have to. You know, even with the marriage, though, it's almost like you have to take up an inventory on both sides. You know, that way you stay, you know, like she was saying earlier, you have to keep it to where you, there's an understanding. Yeah, of the compromise. So, you know, did you get to a place of reconciliation at that time, or did it come later, or is that something that still has, like, it, was reconciliation a part of that? Reconciliation did not happen until after he got saved and he got sober. Once again, it's a two-way street. Yeah. You know, like, it... Reconciliation can't occur from just one side. It's got to be, reconciliation is going to be on a two-way street. And, you know, I find it interesting that it happened once he got that relationship with Christ. Making amends can be one way. Reconciliation cannot. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's, that's interesting. I do fully believe that the reason that God hid his addiction from me as long as he did was he had to change my heart in a way that it would respond to his addiction the way it should because he had to mold me and shape me and soften my heart because remember how I felt about drugs Right. and if, if I had found it out too early I'm afraid that I would not have responded the way that would be pleasing to God and mm -hmm. so he had to and that takes time, that's a process of softening a person and softening their heart. Yes. So that once I did know, I didn't have this, 
how could you, how could you be that, how could you do that? I didn't have that mentality when I found out. Which adds to extra shame. That's the shame mentality. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like shame on you. By the time yeah. I found out, I was so beat down <clears throat> and so broken and so tired and so weary. And, but also my, my relationship with Christ had grown and I developed mercy and love and patience and long-suffering. So I was ready for the task at hand mm -hmm. by the time I found out. Ooh. So we're, we're rapidly running out of time here. I, I, I still have a lot of ground I want to cover. <laughs> but, so out of all of that, and I know there's probably so much more, but out of that, how did the, uh, the spouses choosing hope in addiction recovery, how did that get born out of that? Oh, God did that. So I told you that, that it did not exist when we were going through what we were going through. And so he came home from treatment um, in March of 2018. Well, when he came home, he was looking for somewhere to get plugged in. He had to go to work. So he was looking for somewhere that he could go after work, during the week, something, at least once a week to stay plugged in. And he found the river in Philadelphia. Well, he would go on Monday nights, and on Monday nights they had testimonies. Well, he comes home one Monday night and he's like, you will not believe who gave a testimony tonight. And it was a girl that um, we had known from high school, and she was a spouse, and her spouse was actually in treatment at the time. And she had gotten together with Mary Walker, who runs the river, and said, she wanted to start up a support group for the spouses because she was looking for it and, and, and had it nowhere. Yeah. And so she started it. And that's how I got started to begin with. And then later on as time goes on and she moved on and then I kind of fell in and I started directing it after that. And actually, I want to say, So I told you that I found out about my husband's addiction on my 30th birthday. Yep. My very first SCAR meeting that I attended was on my, was on my 31st birthday. I'll <laughs> see you here later to that the date. That is awesome. <laughs> I mean, man, it's just God's <laughs> design, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> but, and, and we're laughing because we see this yeah. episode after episode. Yeah. And we, we see it in the intricate webs. It's yeah. just mm -hmm. It's, it's created. Amazing. And y'all that are out there listening, remember the river. Uh, we're going to be announcing some huge news coming up very soon um, involving us and the river. So, so y'all, so yeah, y'all, y'all prepare for that. We, we we got some big news coming for that. We're we're looking forward to working with the river. Uh, but yeah, so. That's just amazing. And we were talking before the episode, and as of right now, the group is not meeting. Right. Uh, and I, I, I wish I could tell you, hey, yeah, here, here are the days that they're meeting, because this would be such a great resource for people. But, you know, if y'all do start meeting back, we will have that posted. We will, we will share that. We're going to link that because that's such a valuable resource, especially for those in our surrounding area 
this podcast reach people all over the world, but for those who are local in our local Mississippi recovery community, that's a huge asset. That's a huge tool to add to your recovery tool belt. And so when they do announce that the meeting will resume, we will post that. Uh, and with that, that's all the time we got for today. And uh, Krisha, if somebody wants to uh, get in contact with you, maybe they want you to get to come and share your story at their recovery group, or maybe they've got more information about the spouses, or maybe they want you on, to come and share on their recovery podcast, because there's several recovery podcasts out there. But what's a great way for somebody to contact you? Email? What's that email address? And we'll, we'll have that all posted on the in the show notes as well. What's the what's the email? Krisha, K R I S H A three twenty at gmail.com. Awesome. And we'll have that on the screen. The the Mad Russians will work some magic and have that appear right through here. <laughs> and then we're also gonna have that in the show notes for you as well. And guys, with uh, with that, uh, thank y'all for tuning in once again to a another episode. We appreciate y'all. We Thanks, love guys. Y'all. If you've got any <clears throat> questions for us, if you've got recommendations, if you want to suggest a topic, if you want to tell us how awesome we're doing, or maybe if you want to tell us how horrible we're doing, you know, <laughs> hey, you can do all that. Unashamed or you mean podcast. Say how Josh said the right name. The, entire the right. Hey, I said the right name, <laughs> and I said reconciliation. I'm proud of All in the same episode. I'm proud. That's great. So, <laughs> you can do that at unashamedpodcast.yahoo.com. Unashamedpodcast.yahoo.com. And that will appear right here, right here in this space. But anyway, <laughs> y'all, we love y'all. And until next time, remember to be unashamed. Thanks, guys. Stay sober.